Good afternoon, family, friends, loved one, anyone who is listening to the sound of my voice. This is Dr. Doris Williams on a Monday afternoon about 2.03 p.m. on July the 27th. And today I would just like to have a brief talk. Uh, Hopefully it won't be too long. And if it turns out a little longer than I anticipate, do forgive me. Blame my head and not my heart. I want to talk a little bit about police brutality and police misconduct. I'm not going to go in any type of specifics concerning laws and codes and things of that nature because we all can go on the websites to each and every one of these police departments' websites and find their codes of conduct. Uh, But what we don't find on any of these websites is how to talk to people. And the language, I'm going to say it's probably a police language that they use, a code amongst the officers that they use, to talk to people um, who they feel are less than them. And a lot of times we see, we see on TV, we see on YouTube and Facebook and Instagram and, and every other social media platform that is available to us in this dimension that we live in. We see, we see all type of uh, situations where officers are just talking to people any kind of way. I mean, there's no core code of conduct when it comes to communication. Uh, on every video I have ever seen, uh, there very rarely have I seen an officer talk to people with good communication skills. All of the officers are using profanity, escalating the situations. Every officer just about, I mean, there may be a handful or a handful that is not using or, or, or slaying the words of profanity at their um, people that they are arresting. And so I think that's one of the biggest issues is that they are allowed to cuss us. So if a person is allowed to cuss you, then they're, at that particular point, there is no limit how far that they can go. Because if a person can cuss you, they're, they're willing to do more to you. Because basically, if you look at the word cuss, it basically is uh, a derogatory statement uh, towards the life of an individual or an object that you are deeming unfit or unworthy or unnecessary to be around. So if you curse that thing, you really don't like it. You don't want it around you. And so that's that's one of the biggest things right there. If they're allowed to cuss us, then, of course, they're allowed to do more to us because they don't regard our life, first of all. Anytime you curse something, that's something you hate, that's something you don't like, that's something that you disregard as being valuable. 
then the bodily contact that they are able to take on us when they take us in custody. There uh, appears to be a code, but none of the officers that I witnessed uh, on, on videos and even my own self-experience, uh, a lot of them use their masculinity and their force to get what they want. So we got them talking to us and cussing us any kind of way. Then we got them using body language, uh, our body uh, force with their physical body. Um, and then we got this oppressive state of mind that we're uh, immediately under when we con come under the subjection of an officer who is rude. Now, I'm not going to blame every single officer who's arrested someone with good conduct and didn't curse them out and, and didn't call them out of their name, didn't rough, rough them up when they were arresting them. I'm not talking about those particular officers. I'm talking about these aggressors who's got a uniform on, who's out to get anyone who they feel is disrespectful to them, uh, who do not obey them per se of the word obey, uh, who do not do uh, and show um, signs of respect for them, they're out to get them. Anyone who doesn't show an officer respect uh, who has that particular type of mentality, they, they're going to get those those uh, citizens. So uh, we're already in, in another rage of war with uh, our protectors because they're not looking at us as people that they're supposed to be protecting. They're looking at us as animals. They're looking at us as a nuisance. They're looking at us as a burden. They're looking at us as people who are causing problems. And they're looking at our skin. But my message today as I get ready to end is, I say to each and every one of the officers who have roughed anyone up, talked to anyone badly, cussed anyone out, shot unnecessarily, acted rudely in a way of that, that you know, you wouldn't want it done to you. I say at, at this end, how would you feel if everything that you have done to someone else is done to you? Glory to God and praises to our Heavenly Mother, praises to our Heavenly Father, praises to the Lamb of God, praises to the angels who are in charge of protecting me because we cannot depend on police. Thank you, uh, Heavenly Family and Heavenly Host, Ancient of Days, Universe, and all who are in favor of oneness, goodness, love, unity, righteousness, peace, and truth and kindness and compassion towards our fellow man. I give praises unto you all, living or else. Mother, I want to just, first of all, give you my heart and tell you how much I appreciate you today. I want to tell you thank you for introducing yourself to me last year, else I would have never known that you, uh, beautiful Holy Spirit, is our Heavenly Mother and not just holy and a spirit. Thank you for clarifying some areas in my life that needed so much attention. I had so many heart struggles and, and so many times where I was uh, 
wondering what was going on or why I was feeling certain things when I would go to certain places of worship to fellowship with them and, and come out of those places, even on occasions crying or feeling like as though I was in a, a den of, uh, of evil spirits. So I just want to thank you for clearing up some of the things that I have struggled with. Women ministers uh, not being accepted in some sects, some religions, because that's what they are, is religions, um, which I believe all religions is uh, in opposition with the traditional, uh, with a relationship with God, and that they pose a traditional relationship versus a spiritual relationship. And so I just want to thank our Heavenly Father who has been by my side ever since I've been in this world, uh, came to be a part of this world, and he introduced himself to me uh, when I was about 19 years old and told me that uh, he would never leave me nor forsake me and that he would be with me even until the end of time. And so um, he actually uh, gave me life and spoke life to my womb because my womb had been destroyed. And uh, about two and a half years later of the day my Heavenly Father introduced Himself to me, I had my first child. Um, it's kind of wild and stuff. I know I'm about to digress just a little bit here, but uh, He didn't give me the details about Him being with me, and He didn't tell me all of the things that I was going to have to go through. And uh, God knows I had already, uh, prior to Him visiting me, had gone through so much as an infant coming into the world uh, with all of the abuse and what have you. So I just want to thank the Heavenly Family for keeping me sane, keeping me uh, vibrant uh, and, and, and having good use of my motor skills and my abilities. And I thank them for allowing me to continue to uh, search after wisdom and, and to be on the path of uh, looking for honesty and truth and righteousness and wanting to have... Uh, the knowledge to know what to do, when to do it, how to do it, and, and to be perceived as being uh, a woman of notability, a woman of substance, a woman of abundance uh, in every aspect of the word. And when I talk to people, um, giving thanksgiving to our heavenly family for all of the gifts, I tell them I'm multi-talented, multi-gifted. I have been given every gift under the sun. And so I'm waiting patiently for our heavenly family to bless me in ways that I know that they trust me. I believe that uh, when I was a very young girl, I was uh, San Fernando Valley, somewhere around there, out in the valley. Um, I was a nurse, a live-in nurse for one of our church members. And uh, taking care of her was my responsibility, and I did it with honor. Uh, I don't believe I complained whatsoever. If I did, Lord, forgive me because it was my head and not my heart because my heart was into what I was doing. I remember having a conversation with our Heavenly Father that day, standing out on the balcony, looking up into heaven. And I felt the presence at my right side as I was just thinking to myself, why am I poor? Why am I around rich people? See, at the time I was going to a very... A prominent church called Ephesians Church of God in Christ, where Pastor uh, Elmer Cleveland uh, was the pastor. And I love Pastor Elmer Cleveland. And so um, standing out there on that balcony and, and our Heavenly Father said to me, 
you know, as I was thinking, why was I poor? Why I didn't have money, you know? And our church members, they were rich. They had, you know, Mercedes Benz and BMWs and Lexuses and you name it. Um, I mean, these are high profile people uh, coming into the church, uh, big names uh, like Tremaine Hawkins, people like that. And I'm seeing all these people with money and big cars and big houses. You know, I'm cleaning houses. I'm doing everything under the sun. And I'm living in a big house at one point in time, but they sent me off to be a nurse uh, for one of the church members, our, one of our leaders. And so uh, she stayed way out in the valley. And the Lord told me that day as I stood on that balcony, he said to me, he said, Doris, when I know that you love me with all your heart, and you put me first, if I'm not mistaken, then there won't be nothing that I won't give you. He said, I can give you this world on a silver platter, but you wouldn't love me. So when I know that you love me, then there won't be nothing that I won't give you that you ask for. And so um, that was a long time ago. And, and I uh, wealth is something I've always wanted, but um, being a young person reading the Bible, and uh, being in positions where the Lord would talk to me and ask me what I would want, I asked him for wisdom. I asked him for understanding. I asked him for knowledge. You know, it's better than money because money comes and goes. Uh, you can't take money uh, to the to to your death. Uh, yes, it's a great thing to have when you're living. It's a it's a it's a to me a gift to have. But um, I can't put money above every situation and every circumstance. Right now, uh, that is kind of my forefront because I've been in such a lack, because I've been in poverty, because I've been without for so long. Uh, yes, I am putting money in the forefront, not above the family that I serve in heaven because they're the ones that are going to bring it to me. And if I put money above them, then I can forget the order is all messed up. So that's not the plan. The plan is to continue to worship them and let them know how they could trust me. They can trust me with large sums of money. My mind and my spirit is right for it. I, I would love to do things that will contribute and show my gifts and talents and skills. I think everything that I'm doing right now, the spirit is just kind of showing me, uh, letting me know my, my abilities, what I'm able to do, what I can't do. And so, um, you know, I, I'm kind of leaving it up to them, you know, lead me, guide me, show me what it is that we can do, what I can do. I'm getting up in age. I see my body is starting to break down in areas where I'm not as comfortable, but I have to continue moving on, continue doing what I'm doing and just pray and, and constantly believe that there will be some point in time where my wealth is so substantial that I can hire some people to do the work out of things that I need and want done. That's what I'm hoping and praying, that they would get to the point where I have support, people who love me. And uh, to be in this world and go through the surmountable uh horrific experiences that I have gone through, one day I'm going to share my testimony and you guys are going to be like, oh, wow, that's too much. Uh, I've actually had a woman who screamed at me when she seen my testimony written down on a brochure uh, and told me that was too much. And I, I didn't get it. Like, what do you mean? I went through that. Uh, why would I lie about something I've been through? And so I, I don't get it why she was upset. But nevertheless, I'm so grateful still to be in my right mind today. And and to feel like um, I have a reason to, to continue living there. It's been times where I wanted to give up and uh, times where I almost committed suicide. So I just want to thank them today 
for life, for health, for strength, for having money in my bank account, for having a brand new car out there, uh, uh, 2020, uh, the ability to go to the stores and not have to put anything back. Oh my God, what a tremendous, 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 tremendous blessing. Oh, they just, that is amazing. I love that so much. I hate having to go to the store and then not have enough money for just a thing. I don't want the whole store. I just want what I want. I want what I desire. It ain't the whole store. And I feel like if millionaires and rich people and, and people of wealth and substance can go in the store and get anything that they want, why can't my little peasant self go in a little minute local store and get the minor things that I want for the reasons I want it, basically for whatever it is, whether I'm doing my home, my house, myself, uh, or my vehicle, uh, or my property, whatever the case may be, I'm not no wild spender. You know, uh, I have had trouble in my past saving money. And when I ask the Lord to help me save, they just do. And anything I ask them, they just they just help me in a tremendous way. So this talk, this, you know, um, conversation today was really just to say thank you to them. They can trust me. I love them with all my heart, mind, and soul. They are my first priority, my pride, my joy, my love, and my life, my reason for living, and my reason for existing. Without them, I wouldn't have would not be able to hear, breathe, see, touch, taste, smell, uh, function, walk, talk, you know, none of these things. And so with that being said, thank you, Heavenly Mother. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lamb of God. Thank you, Heavenly Host. Thank you, Universe. Thank you, Angels. I love you. I know you all have names. I bless you, each and every one of you, and all of the ones who have gone before us, our ancients, uh, uh, historians that stood steadfast in the faith. God bless you. Peace be unto your spirit. I know that your body may not be here, but your spirit is well alive, and your soul is in the presence of the Most High Mother and Father and Lamb. God bless. All right, this is Dr. Doris Williams coming back again with another brief message on relationship. And this message is going to be on a relationship. <laughs> I'll be talking about friends, families, uh, and such. I am a 56-year-old African-American female in the Fort Worth area. I have three grown adult children and five grandchildren. I do not get a chance to see my grandchildren as much as I would like. Um, I do not get a chance to talk to my children as much as I would like. Maybe a little bit of it is my fault, but I'm going to not take the total blame in its entirety. Um, I don't want to be biased when I'm talking about relationship. I love to have an open mind. But today, I guess I want to specifically talk about a friendless life. A friendless life. How do people get along in life with no friends no close, close-knit family members may have been close, but not close currently, and basically have no current friends, male or female. 
that you can say, oh, this is my friend. Let me call them and, and say, hey, you have you may have people that you associate people's who phone number you have, but you may or may not talk to them on a regular basis. Um, perhaps you hardly ever talk to them and uh, maybe have been in situations where you have had friends and and have gone from friend to friend to friend to friend like myself um, only to sort out what kind of person I want to be associated with probably is why I'm not socially connected or tied to anyone as far as calling them my, my friend right now. Um, I can't even say I have any Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube followers. I just have people that follow me, but I don't know them and they don't know me. So, um... There's probably some commonalities that we share, but on a day-to-day -day basis, I am in body alone. And uh, for the majority of my 24 hours and seven days per week, I'm by myself. Uh, there are from time to time, I get a visitor or two for different purposes, uh, which I'm always grateful to have a visitor. I always welcome people with open arms and you know, showing them my home and making sure that they feel safe type of thing when people come in my place. Um, I just think that's because of the spirit that's in me. But, uh, and then, you know, some people stay too long. <laughs> so uh, I get those every now and then, but I let them stay because I'll be uh, needing some company or feeling like I need some company. And then still I have to put up with stuff that I don't like to put up with. You know, I don't like a lot of loud noise. I really don't. Um, unless I'm in that mode where I'm singing, I'm dancing, you know, in that type of jovial state of mind. Um, but a lot of times when I get up in the morning, I just want a quiet morning, my coffee, um, and whatever else that I do to make me feel you know, what I feel like I, how, how I want to feel, I do. And then I do my morning meditation and my Thanksgiving to my heavenly family. So, um, but yeah, on a day-to-day -day basis, I get up and I'm busy. I don't have a schedule, which is kind of cool. Um, I used to sell insurance in, uh, here at the house. I started with an insurance agency and actually was going to the facility. And then it got to the point where the COVID came in and one thing led to the next, and then we started working from home and all of that kind of stuff. And so uh, that sitting, uh, making those phone calls and, and the ratio of the calls of hangups or people not calling back or the falsity and the lies. People, you set up appointment and they don't return the phone call when you call. or you, Oh, it's just so much you have to do with that type of uh, industry and soliciting and trying to get people to see that they need health insurance. I do believe in the health insurance. Otherwise, I wouldn't have went through the whole process of uh, studying and, you know, the course and then taking the test and passing it and uh, seeking out an agency that I would fit well with. I wouldn't have took the time to do all that if I didn't believe in it. So I do really honestly believe in health insurance. Um, I do think a lot of people are getting scammed in, in the health industry because it's just not designed uh, for us as humans to really get anything from it. Uh, you know, I even have a situation where I wish I could file some kind of case 
where JPS uh, actually dropped my insurance one week before I was supposed to uh, go to an orthopedic appointment for uh, having this pul pulmonary mass removed from my right hip. Uh, I go, I had therapy going for my neck and, and I was seeing orthopedic specialists for my hip and uh, all of these things was going on. And one day I go for my therapy and just out of, out of, out of the blue, I was told by a lady that my, my uh, insurance had been denied and I had, you know, since I moved to Fort Worth and nothing had changed. I was always with the same type, type of Medicare uh, part A or Part B, whichever one you're supposed to have to pay for a hospital, I did not have. That's the one they take out of your check. That's the one I do not have. And it's always been that way. And so when I applied for JPS Connect, they, um, you know, uh, gave me the, the insurance and had it for three, four, uh, let's see, 15, six, no, uh, 16, 17, 18, 19. And one week before I was supposed to have surgery, they canceled it. So I don't know what happened. Insurance didn't, the uh, insurance, insurance situation never changed. So um, that's the injustice that I've dealt with, with the hospital industry. Another time, uh, my doctor with JPS promised me that she would do something, which was to sign a disability form for me to tell them that I was 100% disabled and she said that she would sign the form and uh, if I would at least go get checked out from the mental psych because I was contemplating suicide and I was um, just so much hurt and so much pain and and uh, so much mistreatment that I've had over my life and oh my god I, you guys I just can't even begin to uh, explain the injustices that I, as an individual, and I'm not saying anyone else haven't, I'm just voicing my own little stuff here, uh, you know, I just got overwhelmed, and so during that time, she asked me to go and uh, get evaluated, and I said, okay, if you sign the papers, I'll do that for you, do you agree? She said, I agree, I'll sign them, and I'll have them for you, and at our next appointment, I mean, that's exactly what she told me, you know, that doctor outright and lied, and when I came to my next appointment, and uh, she told me she couldn't do it, they told her she couldn't sign those papers, and I said, oh my God, are you serious, baby, I tell you, that hurt me so bad, that hurt me so bad, that night, I ended up uh, calling the ambulance, my pain, my, my, I was so stressed from that, um, I, I don't realize that uh, very high stressful situations cause my back to go into a place where I cannot get comfortable no matter what I do. And so uh, I think stress on a high level has been, uh, my back pain has been the consequence of, of high stress levels. So, um, yeah. And uh, so anyway, I ended up going to the hospital that night. They called 911 or ambulance to come get me. Uh, they took me to um, Harris Methodist uh no, they took me to All Saints first. All Saints treated me so bad when they saw that I had a pulmonary in my hip. And the lady said, the, the RX uh, technician basically asked me if I had some in my pocket. And I told her no. And I, I give me your hand. Let me let you feel this. And she said, ma'am, I ain't never in my life seen anything like that before. And boy, that bothered me. I cried. And, you know, they gave me some medication and, and basically released me. Um, I was in so much pain that... Um, I, I still couldn't function well, so I ended up calling 911 again, and they said, well, man, we can't pick you up on uh, 
All Saints Hospital. You'll have to walk across the street and come get you. I said, okay. So that's what I did. And they, the ambulance came, got me that night uh, for the second time and took me to Harris Methodist. And uh, they got me uh, not necessarily checked in, but they got me looked at. And boy, I tell you, them people were so rude at Harris Methodist. I mean, and they just basically said, uh, you know, there's nothing we could do for you. You need to see your primary care physician. Um, and just let me go, you know, they let me go. They saw that I had major hip issues, but they didn't want to touch me with a 10 foot pole. And uh, long story short, they put me out and I was, by that time, the medication that I had received from all saints had kicked in and boy, I was drowsy and I was sitting out in a wheelchair in front of Harris Methodist downtown near Fort Worth and are in Fort Worth and, uh, security guard and I was out there by myself so there was nobody out there that time of night and so the security guard black guy came around you got to get out that chair you can't be sitting in, in that chair uh, you know and, and I had a cigarette too and that was the other thing he had mentioned you need to go you can't smoke on the private property and I was like oh, okay I, never, I was so drowsy and so anyway he walked on and I tell you the minute I got up crash bang crackle like a fackle right to the ground pop bing bang you know, so I crawled. No cars came. I literally crawled on concrete from the building across the street and sat down across the street because I couldn't walk. So, yeah, life with no friends, no support is, is really wild. I tried calling them people to explain to them I had fell, fallen on that property. Boy, I tell you, that woman, she talked to me like I was ignorant. She talked to me like I didn't know what I was saying. She talked to me like I was a liar. She talked to me and basically undertone, undermined, undersaid everything I did. And it, I just left it, you know, because I, I called to them to complain and let them know I had fallen. Baby, please. Ain't no help in this place. I mean, the attorneys, you know, you can call them and... Uh, you know, tell them, you're, oh, you don't have a case. You know, I just think that we live in a very fake world. Like the news is fake. The Instagram is fake. Uh, Facebook is fake. Uh, people buying followers, fake. Uh, doing this face stuff to their face to make them look prettier or distorted to, you know, Snapchat stuff, you know, putting cat and dog and animal faces and crap. I mean, it's a fake world. And, and I just... I mean, I have three Instagram pages, uh, probably two or three or four uh, Facebook pages, and uh, I have several platforms that I got my music uploaded onto, places where my my poetry is, and, and do you think I got any kind of fame? I have written uh, several books, and, and, and do you think anything has happened? I mean, it's a fake world. Uh, police officer roughs me up a few months ago and I call the uh, captain to complain, uh, leave a voicemail. Baby, you think he ever called back? It's a fake world. Uh, they can do anything they want to, to you and violate your rights, violate anything. They can arrest you and don't tell you why you're arrested and can lie about the whole situation and nothing happens. 
And you can call and try to get an attorney or call and try to get a civil rights person. Baby, it's a fake world. You go on the NAACP and see if you can find a phone number. And you know white people is running the NAACP. It ain't ran by black folk. Everything that's ran by black folk has got a backing by Caucasian. Just about. Very rarely is anything bagged by black folk. Full 100%. And if you do, they right now at the place where it's all about militant, uh, military, and they're using profanity and they black, dressing in black with, with, uh, guns and, and, and the whole militant lifestyle. I get it. I ain't tripping and I ain't really saying nothing bad about it other than the fact that there's got to be a better way. Uh, I know the ways that has been, uh, going hadn't been working. But I tell you, we need a leader today in the most honest and respectful way. One who is full of the spirit. One who can hear from heaven like it used to be, as it was in the old days when they would seek the counsel of the one who could hear from heaven. Now they are listening to their own voices. They're listening to their own way. And they're guiding man after each own way. And their way is full of corruption. And the blind is leading the blind and they all falling in a ditch. One day, if the spirit of the Lord God Almighty, of our heaven mother, heavenly mother and heavenly father be upon me, I would to make a change. I would to make a difference. I would to speak a word in the life of those who would have an ear to hear what the Spirit of the Lord would have to say concerning life. Put down your weapons. Police officers, put down your weapons. Citizens of America, put down your weapons. Our weapons should not be used in the United States unless we have a terrorist attack coming from an outside enemy. No weapons should be allowed in the United States. And every person that would to carry a weapon must go to a place where weapons are allowed. No one, if anyone, should be weaponized. If your weapons that you have is not for culinary uses or home improving purposes or business related, you may not have a weapon in my kingdom. This life of loneliness and of full total rejection from everyone who can be everyone is everyone that doesn't have the spirit of our heavenly family. I have been rejected. I have been misunderstood. I have been flogged and flagged. I have been mistreated. And I have definitely been under the gun of the enemy. Constant attacks on my life. One day we'll talk about them. But right now we're just talking about current events. 
in my friendless life. I have learned to adjust. It used to bother me being friendless. It used to bother me that women would come in my life, call themselves my friends, and only to see a little bit of me and find themselves envious or jealous. That spirit I've known a long time because I've had to deal with it ever since I was a little girl. I had to live with that spirit of envy and jealousy. So I'm very familiar with how that spirit operates. person who is jealous of you and a person who envious of you is incapable of loving you at the same time. I, I just disagree with the hypotheses that that is a just cause, that someone can be jealous and love you at the same time. If you look at the word jealousy and the potency of that power behind jealousy and the spirit for which it stands, it is crueler than the grave. And the grave only wants to hold you still. It's only a place of positioning of the body for the maintaining of the judgment day. But uh, jealousy as a whole is crueler than the grave. So if jealousy is crueler than the grave, then only that leaves me to think that they want worse things to happen to you than just you being dead. So uh, it's better that I'm alone than to deal with people who are jealous of me for whatever reason. Mother is in me, and I know that. Her spirit is so beautiful and bright that she came in this world being abused from, you know, starting with her, her own flesh and blood, the person who brought her or was the vessel for which Mother chose to be carried by. Why would Mother choose a vessel which would hate her upon sight almost? Not necessarily. I don't know. I wasn't. I was there, but uh, I was too little to remember coming out the womb days. But the treatment days, as far back as I can remember, was horrific. So, I wonder why mother chose that. But I guess she had to, she had to be, it had to be that way. She had to suffer at the hand of a, a guardian. Because she not only suffered at the hand of the person who bore her, but she suffered at the hands of the person who her mother was having a relationship with at the time the child was born. He was also a pedophilia, a pedophile. So you, she came, it was a double whammy, like double, double, the verbal abuse, the mistreatment, the leaving her alone in the custody of this pedophile as though it was planned, uh, as though it was the uh, plan of the enemy, kill, steal, and destroy that child. Do everything you can to, to mess her up, throw everything at the book, in the book at her. So, uh, yeah, friendless life has taken me back to some places I wasn't trying to visit, but, uh, just on the surface, 
it, it's, it is what it is. I done got used to it, and uh, I'm, I'm going to continue to just wait on the, the high things that are coming, the great things that are coming. I've always felt that the light, later days would be my greater greater days. My latter days would be my greater days. And that's what I'm waiting on now as I continue to wait patiently on my blessings, on my wealth, on my prosperity, on all of the financial blessings that are to come in my, come my way. Uh, so many people have stole from me. Social Security Administration, oh my gosh, waited five years only to get to current year that I was waiting. Oh my God, that, uh, that took, you know, that situation happened in July of uh, 2015 where I took about 170-something pills, 200-something pills, tried to commit suicide. I just, I just didn't understand why they wouldn't give me my money. I waited all that time patiently, knowing about how much I should get. The lady told me when I applied that if they go back, they'll, uh, I'll get the, from the date that I applied all the way back to that application date. That judge based every my, he based my disability on when I was going to have surgery for my hip and kept my money. That hurt me so bad. Just thinking about it, that hurt me so bad, boy, I tell you, because I knew that he took my money on purpose. It was almost $50,000. They didn't want to see me have that kind of money in my hand. It hurt me to the core. So, I just look for the Heavenly Family to bless me in ways that can replace all of the pain that I've suffered in this life, in this friendless environment from the friend un, an unfriendly world you know people say they love you they don't know the first thing about love any opportunity they get to to cuss you or talk bad to you they take it and then they want you to stand around and and and, and accept that behavior i'm not going to be in a friendship where someone calls me a b or calls me out of my name or, or could say anything they feel comfortable saying to me to make, and I and I'm supposed to be okay with that. I will not be in a friendship like that. Well, and I don't deal with crazy people. I love everybody in the world, but I just don't deal with a lot of people because I'm a little on the sensitive side, and I just don't want to go through all of the unnecessary drama that this child and me have gone through. So much has been put on a baby. That I am here to protect her to the best of my ability. And live a good life and let her have as much as she would will. Whatever she wants, I want to give it to her. And I'm talking about myself. Because I deserve every good and perfect gift that comes from above. I think I should be favored in every way possible. And I should never ever struggle in this life for anything that I want or need. And no bill should ever be cut off. Or ever have to live without a roof over my head. Or ever have to be without a car underneath me. So, anyway, we're going to be grateful for life and Thanksgiving. Uh, i got a few things to do today. Hope y'all enjoyed this little conversation about relationship. God bless. Heavenly Mother Speed. <laughs>